Amen. So we'll get our kids settled in the pre-K area. And as we do that, it's kind of had on my mind that I want us to start our kind of time together praying for those families uh, that are not with us this morning. Uh, we know we got families in this place and that place, and um, I just want us to take a minute to pray for them. That God would pursue them and that they would hear from Him even when uh, they're not with the rest of the family this morning. So here's kind of what I want to do, maybe. Um, If I could ask, let go around try to think of some of these individuals and families that are not with us. And if I would ask you to pray for them, just go around and pray for them while they're um, not with us this morning. Uh, Hendrick's first person I think about is Greg. Just praying for him, that God pursues him even when he's not with us this morning. Um, Stephen, I'm thinking about uh, Zach and Bryn. He texted me this morning, said both of them are not feeling well and just Praying for their family and things while they're not with us this morning. Um, Thinking about um, Lucas. We know God's already working in his heart. Even while he's not here, that maybe he would hear from God and and that he would continue to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. Um, Who else am I thinking about? Thinking about... Julio that was with us last week. Uh, Laura, I don't know if you would pray for him as we go around. Um, Julio's a young man that's seen incredible things God's done in his life. Uh, just kind of spent a couple years away from God's people and away from, away from that, right? And this is an open door for him uh, as well. Uh, and I'll pray for, uh, for Tony. Um, and his family and his wife as he's at the fire station serving our town this morning through that. Uh, so if we go around, just voice a quick prayer for all these people and these families. Uh, that'd be awesome. So Josh, we'll start with you and if we'll just go wherever I said and then I'll close this up. Father, we, we lift up Tony and Jessica and the Branch family and uh, thank you for bringing them uh, to us and just letting them be a part of what's going on. But this morning as he serves our town, 
uh, and the fire department, I pray that you would protect him, lead him, and that your presence would be there and, uh, and you would be doing the same in his home with his wife and kids. Uh, and we just, just thank you for all these families and these people that are a part of what you're doing here and just uh, continue to lift up the 50 that you would bring together uh, over the next month, month and a half, uh, just to see you form this team so that you can build a church. God, we thank you for the journey and for the individuals that get to be a part of that journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I met a guy um, sometime last fall, last winter. His name was Avdal. Avdal. Uh, I met Avdal in Orlando when I was there for a conference, and I had dinner with Avdal and spent some time with him that week. Uh, Avdal... um, I uh, believe he was born and raised in Iraq, and his wife was born and raised in Iran. Okay? So I want to share a little bit about Avdal's wife's story, about her journey. Uh, she was from an Iranian Muslim family, and her dad was in a very high position in Saddam Hussein's army. She was, her dad was high up in the regime from Saddam, uh, and... Uh, the dad gets to a point where he just decides that he finds no joy and no rest in the Islam faith. Uh, so the dad decides that there is no God. Uh, he, he decides that there is no God and, and his wife comes to the point where she agrees as well and they would both identify personally as atheists. Um, so through it all, uh, it's interesting because I was talking to Abdul this week again and recalling his story. Uh, they agree on that, but in the midst of that, it's interesting that the husband and the wife, the mom and dad, uh, are completely just like broken together. Like their, their marriage is broken, their home is broken, it's just a miserable existence in their life and in their home. Uh, they're fighting constantly, uh, but because divorce was so difficult in that culture, in the Iranian uh, Islamic culture that they lived in, uh, they decided not to get divorced but to stay together, even though they were miserable. Uh, in fact, they lived in separate rooms uh, of the house. They wouldn't go near each other and, and actually used Abdal's wife, who was their daughter, uh, used her to be a messenger between the two of them. I mean, that just kind of lays the foundation of what their home life was like. They didn't talk to each other, they sent the daughter to go talk to the other one for each other. But they could agree on one thing, and that was atheism. They left the Islamic faith, and they they embraced atheism. Um, But the dad was a big reader. Like I said, he was high up in Saddam's army, big reader, had a library in the house, and he constantly read. And at some point in time, somebody had given him a Bible, and he had it as a part of his library. Good literature. He's looked at it before. He's read it. It was in his library. And one day in 1994, he opened up that Bible again that somebody had given him. Um, He did not consider it to be the Word of God. He just thought it was a good book in his library. But he opens up to Matthew and he begins to read the book of Matthew. Uh, and, And he stays up all night long so impressed by this man whose name is Jesus in the book of Matthew. And he's so impressed with the crowds that are following him. He's so impressed with what he sees and hears and reads from Jesus that he just stays up reading the book of Matthew constantly from beginning to end, and he wouldn't put it down that night. Uh, and by the time he gets to Matthew eleven twenty eight, and Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He describes it as if someone was speaking directly to his heart. So he's reading it as if it's a book, but then he describes that statement as if somebody spoke directly to his heart, And that night he begins praying to God, asking God, who are you? Are you Muhammad? Are you Jesus? Whoever you are, I want to know who you are. And from midnight to 4 a.m., he says that he stays up continually praying and weeping all night long. From midnight to 4, he's just weeping and praying and asking God who he is. The next day, the next day he tells his wife, I have found a friend who will change my life. I, will, I have found a friend who will change my life. And the wife thinks, who is this friend that came by after midnight and has changed my husband's life, right? Who is this guy? Who is this friend? 
um, that came in while I was asleep. And from this day on, interestingly enough, her husband becomes a gentle and caring man and his friend indeed changes his life, right? From this day on, he becomes a gentle and caring husband, father, man. After he said, it is like somebody has spoken to my heart. But he has no Christian friends, no churches. For fear of persecution, his faith has to remain completely silent. Remember, because he's part of Saddam's regime. He's high up in the army. There's no possible way he could tell anybody in his world that he has met Jesus. Right? No possible way. He would immediately be killed. His family would uh, be persecuted, probably killed. And there's no way that he could possibly share this news with anybody. So what he finds is every night there's a radio station that plays Christian programming and he receives biblical teaching and gospel teaching through the radio every night at like midnight. He would stay up and listen to his radio to hear teachings about the Bible and to hear what Jesus has said. Um, and, And it's wanting to share these things with his wife I mean, you imagine, it's like this wife's like, well, you've met this friend. He's changed you. You're no longer the same husband. Now you're gentle, caring, you're not abusive and and, and angry. He wants to share these things with his wife, but he feels like the Holy Spirit says, no, don't share these things with your wife, which is interesting, right? But he feels like the Holy Spirit is perceiving, or he perceives that the Holy Spirit says no. And within a year, within a year of him meeting Jesus by opening up the book of Matthew, it's, he says that his wife begins having dreams and seeing visions. She begins having dreams and visions that she doesn't understand. And the fourth dream, she says, shows her the end of days. So she's sleeping, dreaming, and she begins seeing the end of days. Later on, she understands it's the book of Revelation. She doesn't know it yet. She's never read the Bible, but she, she sees a vision that is the book of Revelation and she sees fire coming from heaven, people screaming and running in fear. But in the midst of the vision, she sees her husband in another room that is peaceful and, and they're at rest. So she's got two different visions she's seen at one time. Fire from heaven, screaming, chaos, people in fear, and then her husband in this other group where there's just complete silence, stillness, and rest. And they're at peace. She says, to, she says to him, give me your hand in the vision. I want to come where you are. Give me your hand. I want to come where you are. And then she wakes up. And then as she wakes up and she shares these things with her husband, the things that she had seen, the Spirit of God compels him to tell her everything from the last year. Compels him to tell her everything. And then he looks at her and reaches out his hand and says, would you like to come where I am? Would you like to come? And she says, yes. And he introduces her to the friend that he met a year ago named Jesus. Right? Uh, And under Saddam's regime, the husband is placed, uh, uh, over time it it, it becomes known that he is a Christian, he is no longer Islamic, and that's a threat under Saddam's regime. So he becomes placed on a list of Christians who must die as an infidel. His name, his family is placed on a list of people that must die because they are rebels against the Islamic faith and now have become followers of Christ. And they would go house to house and the men were killed and families were destroyed as the government went around and killed these men. But before making it to his home, Saddam Hussein is overthrown. We remember the, the toppling of the, the statue and we remember those events. Well, that event changed his life because he was no longer on the list to be killed as an infidel. Before making it to his home, Saddam's overthrown, and this opens a door for his entire family to confess their faith in Jesus. Changed their world. Um, the daughter of this family is now married to Avdol, the man that I'm sitting and listening to, who is a church planter in Detroit, Michigan, for Arabic refugees. He's in Detroit, and he receives 
Arabic refugees who come over. And in fact, they are refugees because Abdal and his wife were pregnant with a child. And in, in uh, Egypt, where they were living, they, they have on your papers, if you are Islam or Christian, it's like on your driver's license, so to speak. And if, if they would have had that child in Egypt and they would have realized that she had Islam on her papers but was no longer Islamic, they would have been murdered and they, would, they wouldn't have been able to have their child there. So they became refugees who moved to the States and now they're church planters in Detroit for other refugees that come from the Arabic countries. And the husband, the whole story, the husband and the wife are now in ministry together and the man that I told you about who, 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 was, who was so angry and so abusive and wouldn't even stay in the room with his wife and sent his kids to tell them messages so he didn't have to talk to her, that man is now the family pastor in the church in Detroit with his daughter and son-in-law. And he served side by side with his wife. So the friend that he met at midnight that night indeed changed his life. So here's a question. How does stories like that make you feel? There's no right or wrong answer to that. I just want to hear a response. When you hear that, it's like, what's going on in here and here? How does that make you feel? Excited? Okay, how so? Yeah. It's exciting. Insignificant. Insignificant? How? Okay, so. I mean, there wasn't even a man who came and visited him at midnight. He just opened the scriptures and God spoke to his heart and transformed his life, right? Uh, spoiled. So for our lifestyle and where we're at and what we don't have to fear. Yeah. Ungrateful? How so? Okay. Taking our relationship with God for granted. Anything else? This side of the room has... Yeah. Yeah. This man who had no other way to receive scriptural teaching stays up every night so that he can hear the Bible taught on his radio. Right. So many times we, whatever our excuse is, right, we do that. Yeah. So here's another question. What demonstrations of Jesus' power do we see in that story? So how do we see Jesus' power demonstrated in the story of Avdal's father-in-law? Holy Spirit? How are you referring to... Okay, see the Holy Spirit being active, compelling his father-in-law... See him compelling him to not speak and then when to speak. Right? It goes against our rules, right? You should always speak. Well, sometimes maybe God's doing something else, right? But that's not an excuse not to speak because then we've got to discern what the Holy Spirit's doing. And now we've got to listen instead of speak, right? And that's just it's a whole new world for us. So how else do we see a demonstration of Jesus' power in this?
omniscient power of God. He's just all powerful. He just does what he does. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. You know, you just see that God is That transformation, I, I, I had it on here too. I called it heart change. I think we're talking about the same thing. So the heart change, the transformation. I got a couple other ones. Uh, the overcoming unbelief. It's incredible. Like we've already discussed how he overcame unbelief, and that's incredible. But the fact that he overcame unbelief is even incredible. Uh, the healing in their marriage and in all relationships that they had, the healing power. Uh, I'm going to say the overcoming evil everything this is not just overcoming like people that don't like Christians this is like entire governments trying to wipe entire people groups out and that was overcome I'm like how crazy is that Uh, the power of revelation that she saw what she saw Yep. I'm going to write a few more. The power of Scripture. Uh, power of prayer. He prayed, God, who are you? Uh, restoration. And the spirit guidance that we already talked about. Those are the ones I had on my list. So, those stories are incredible right? They're unique. They're powerful. We see God demonstrating his power through Jesus in a lot of different ways. Uh, those we are true or false or attracted to those stories, right? I mean, it's, it's like you said, exciting. It's like we're attracted. We, we see that and, and that's attractive and it's exciting and things like that. Um, hearing it over dinner, like I'm sitting there with the man over dinner, we're eating tacos and cheese dip, and he's telling me this. I'm like, I just need to move to Detroit and be a part of what you're doing, right? It's just like, it's so compelling that we just, we want to be there. But I think it's compelling, it's attractive, it's exciting, and here's why I think it is. Because when we hear that and we, we visualize that story, it creates expectation that God's going to continue doing more, right? I mean... Nobody, nobody hears that story and says, that's incredible. I bet God's done with them. I mean, the question that gets asked is, that's incredible. I wonder why God did that. What's he going to do next? Right? It's like, if God did all that to bring them here, then what's he going to do next? Creates anticipation and expectation of what's happening next. So, 
the same expectation live in the crowds that followed Jesus. So one thing that it's really easy to overlook when you read the Gospels over and over and over and over, it says, and a crowd, and a great crowd, and a huge crowd, and a large crowd followed him, or a large crowd gathered. Everywhere Jesus went were thousands of people in the countryside. It's not like him and 12 dudes are walking around. It's like him, 12 dudes, and 5,000 men just keep pressing into him. It's like he's in the middle of a mob almost everywhere he goes. I challenge you to go home and read the Gospels tonight and just count how many times it says that a crowd was around Jesus. And it's almost every chapter. Almost every chapter. And those crowds followed him with great expectations. Many in the crowd who were attracted to Jesus had rejected the religion of their day just like just like uh, Avdol's father. Just like him. They had rejected religion, but they followed Jesus with incredible expectation that Jesus was going to do something else incredible. Something else. Yep. Which leads us to the question, what was the expectation? Why were they following? Why were they attracted to Jesus? Why did the crowd spend three and a half years at his side? What did they expect? They expected to hear something and they expected to see something. Those are the two categories that the thousands of people follow Jesus They expected to hear something. They expected to see something. Look with me in Matthew 4. We're going to read verses 23 and 24 and part of 25. And this is really where the the crowds get established with Jesus. This is the first time we really see a crowd. um, And we see kind of the elements that I'm laying out here and why the crowds began in the first place. Matthew 4, verse 23. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, suffering from various disease and intense pain, demon possession and the epileptics and the paralytics. And he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Okay? So here we see that Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom. The first element, they expected to hear something. Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Here's the dilemma. We can begin to fall into the crowd of people that think First of all, we saw Jesus preaching good news and then thousands of people gather around. And we're like, people don't like the good news anymore. Right? It's like, we're preaching it every week. I share it with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and people just don't like to hear the gospel anymore. We can fall into that trap and begin to think that. But I think I have something different for you. I don't see that at all. I, here's what I see. Here's what I see. All right. Somebody go back with me. When I was a kid, uh, Wednesday nights we ate Burger King, like every Wednesday night. I, I have very few memories as a kid, but I do have the memory before we went to church, uh, me and a bunch of my buddies, just like Brant and Shaw and all these little rugrats running around together, that whole group of people used to go to Burger King every Wednesday night, and I still have vivid memories in North Little Rock playing at the playground at Burger King. We love Burger King. But look at Burger King now and think about the commercials and the advertisements that you've seen over the past few years from Burger King. You got a big plastic scary head. What is that? It's like the big plastic king head. That dude freaks me out. 
I'm not even afraid of clowns, but the Burger King dude scares me. And Burger King's under the assumption, I know that advertising says sex sells, but they're under the assumption that it sells fast food burgers, right? And I'm like, I don't know if those two things match very well. And I'm not an anti-beer guy, but now they're selling Budweiser, the king of beers and the king of burgers in the same place. And I'm just like, there's certain things in life that I'm just not sure go well together. And fast food burgers and Budweiser may be one of those, right? So it's not that I don't like burgers anymore, because I'm going to tell you, I had a burger last night. I love cheeseburgers. I'm going to eat burgers for the rest of my life, most likely. But Burger King's message is not for me, right? I'm just not their audience. I once was, but I'm not anymore, right? And it's, it's not a burger problem, it's a message problem. You just miss the target, right? You just miss the target. Um, so Jesus knew his audience. Jesus knew his audience really well. Um, when he spoke... Is like Abdal's father-in-law. He spoke to the heart. Okay? And, and, and the dilemma that I think the people were attracted to him because, and they expected to hear something because when he spoke, it penetrated the heart. It's like he knew who was with him. Look at the Sermon on the Mount and it's like, this, it's the very next passage from where we're at right now. And we look and it's like, thousands of people gather, huge crowd. And so Jesus sits down on the, on the, on the mount and he, he begins to speak. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Immediately penetrated the heart of the people that were with him. Immediately penetrated their heart because he knew who they were. When Jesus spoke good news, he spoke it to his audience. So here's a question for you. Describe a time when you either heard or read Scripture and you're like, it's as if somebody is speaking to my heart. Right? Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting, doing a quiet time, reading the Bible, and you're just like, oh. like somebody knew their audience when they wrote that because that just penetrated my heart. Or maybe you're in a, a worship service or somebody's speaking concerning the gospel and you're just like, that was, that was for me. You know, is there a time where you can say, it was like somebody speaking to my heart? Anybody? spoke to the heart it spoke to the heart right what's another example to the heart it's like those things that speak to the heart they address our everyday things right whether it came kind of out of left field or whether it was face on it's like they speak to the heart because they address everyday things things in our life things in our family things in our heart Um, and, and here's what I say if Jesus message was attractive 
to the crowds back then, I believe it should still be attractive today. Okay? I don't believe we have the opportunity to say, step back and say, people just don't want to hear God's word. I don't believe that's true. Because as John Piper said, uh, he has a quote that I, I stole this week. He said, we often aim for the head. When we're speaking concerning the gospel, we often aim for the head. But when Jesus tells his message, he had a way of aiming for the heart by asking questions that draw a man out so that we can understand him and see his deepest needs. So when Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, he had a way of drawing the man out, understanding his deepest needs, and then speaking good news into his heart. And Piper says, we often aim for head knowledge and not heart knowledge, and that's why people don't want to hear it. You're just trying to convince of facts. You're just trying to convince of this or convince that somebody's wrong. And we, Jesus instead listens, asks questions, draws a man out, and then speaks directly to the need in the heart. goes back to listening instead of speaking, you know? It's like if we listen to the Spirit instead of speaking, we might hear what questions to ask as we spend time with people, you know? Uh, Francis Schaeffer uh, was a... Uh, a well-known author, he says this, when, it, when he was asked, what would you do if you had one hour with somebody who was not a believer? What would you do? He said, I would spend 55 minutes listening, and then in the last five minutes, I would offer something. What would you do if you had one hour to spend with somebody who did not believe the gospel? I'd listen for 55 minutes and spend five minutes offering good news directly to the heart. We often aim for the head. Jesus aimed for the heart. I believe if we could aim for the heart, people still long for good news. Maybe we could spend more time listening than, ask, than talking so that when we speak, we actually speak to the heart. Right? So number two, they, they expected to hear something. Not just something, but something of incredible value. We have something of incredible value if we'll spend more time listening than talking and we can speak directly to the heart. Okay? Uh, second thing, they expected to see something. Man, I wish Greg was here this morning because over Wednesday night the other day, he shared kind of something that really energized him towards faith because he's a new believer and, and he was telling a story and I don't know if you guys remember, but he was talking about his dad who had terminal cancer and, and Greg, Greg was not a believer in Jesus. His dad was a new believer in Jesus and his dad has terminal cancer. Uh, he's going to go through chemo and all this stuff. And his dad just says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And he just says he spent time just believing in God's plan for his life. Didn't take the medicine, didn't do this, didn't do that. And he just quit going to his doctor and everybody's like, that's horrible. You're going to die. That's an awful mistake. And his dad's just like, no, I'm just, I'm just not. I'm going to trust God with whatever happens. And then all of a sudden he just keeps living, getting better. And then eventually he says, I should probably go back to the doctor and see what's going on. He goes back to the doctor and says, I don't know what happened, but your cancer's gone. He's like, I got no explanation for it. And when Greg reflects, and his dad's like, well, I do. I spend a lot of time praying. I mean, it's just like ridiculous stories like that where it's just God heals. People see something and Greg saw that and it encouraged him towards faith, right? It's like when you see God do incredible miracles, it causes people to reconsider. It's like these people that were following Jesus followed him expecting, not hoping. Well, I wonder if we'll see something. No, I expect to see something like that. I expect to see something like that. So, but when we talk about things like, like Greg's dad and the healing that he, here's my question for you, how unexpected is that? I mean, it's like, do we hear that? Or do we hear things like Avdol's story this morning? And we're just like, dude, that's incredible. I didn't expect to hear that. Or we're like, yeah, that's what Jesus does. Which one's our natural reaction? I'm going to be honest with you, when I hear things like Greg's dad, if I didn't know Greg as well as I know Greg, I would be like, I don't know. I need to meet somebody that can verify that story. Right? You meet a guy on the street and you're like, eh, we had cancer, just prayed, quit going to the doctor, 
healed. Well, maybe you really didn't have cancer. Maybe you were misdiagnosed. Or you're like, yeah, that's what Jesus does. I expect to see that every day. Which one, you know? Be honest. What's in your heart, right? We're skeptical. Skeptical. Because we're what? Okay. Oh, because we've seen people not be healed. Okay. And that's a whole other conversation, right? Why are some people healed and some people not? It does. Yeah. So then we go to that and we're like, well, my dad wasn't healed or, or, or was he, right? I mean, there's, there's this, this, this limited viewpoint that we have that says, well, he wasn't physically healed here right now, but the gospel says that all things are made new forever, right? So there's this tension that we live in that says, I want him to be healed here today so I can spend more time together today. But then the gospel says, I'm making all things new, and he is healed, and he has been restored, and you will see that when you cross into eternity, and that's, that's just, those are heart things that we need to hear on, that, that we wrestle with, that are very real. Um, but large crowds were attracted to Jesus because they expected to see more things happen. It's like Avdal. It's like we hear that and we're like, God's not through with him. He's going to do more. I want to go see it. People heard about Jesus. They're like, that's incredible. I bet that wasn't a one-time thing. I'm going to go and expect to see something else happen. Um, so uh, we, if you've been to our house, you've probably seen it. And I've told this story more times than not, but I want to make a point with it again. We have a glass vase that sits in our dining room. That glass vase is full of river rocks. And on those river rocks, we write miracles that we see God do. Every time God does something miraculous in our family, we write it down, we date it, and we put it in the jar. So now we've got a glass vase full of little river rocks that are just miraculous things God has done over the years. Um, And it's incredible to look at that and you can pull the rocks out and tell your kids the stories of what God has done and encourage their faith as young as they are, right? But we... Here's what we've done is we got the glass jar and it's full to the top. But you know what else we did? We went to Walmart and we bought more rocks. Now, what are the, the more rocks, the new rocks, what are those symbolize? Expectation. Hope. We didn't fill the jar and put it on the mantle and say, well, it's locked and sealed and we're going to leave it there. No, you get it close enough to where you can pull it back out and add to it because we expect that if God brought us this far, he's not done doing miraculous things. So now we've got rocks in the cabinet ready to go when those things happen so that we can add to it. We're going to buy more rocks expecting to see something else, expecting to see God do more miraculous things. Uh, I, I want to lay this out. I know we've, this, is, this is where we're ending. We're wrapping up here. Um, remember our spiritual journey. We've got, what's the first one? Uh, resisting. Resisting. Questioning. Uh, searching. Embracing. Adjusting, growing, multiplying. All right, here's our final point, final discussion, final thing right here. We are all somewhere in this journey, right? We, that represents all of us. At some point, we're all, and, and most of us at this point have had a conversation where I've said, where are you? 
at least consciously decide where you are in your journey. Are you asking questions, trying to figure out answers? Are you searching? Are you adjusting? Did you just embrace the gospel and that's where you're at? Um, maybe you're in the growing phase. We, we've all talked about this almost and, and, and we've identified where we're at. And then we've said, where would you like to be? 12 months from now, we're having this conversation again and we say, where would you like to be 12 months from now? Maybe I'm, I'm at searching. I'd like to be adjusting 12 months from now. Maybe I'm adjusting and I'd like to know what it feels like to actually multiply the faith that lives in me and others. You know, so where are you in 12 months from now? Where would you like to be? And then we talk about the barriers that are between those two places and how we can overcome it. But here's what I propose for you this morning. Because, because right now you're probably sitting, you're sitting here and saying, well, well, I'm at point A and when I see X, Y, and Z happen, I'll go to point B. Right? It's like, here's where I'm at, and when I see this happen, then I'm going to go here. But, but here's what I propose to you this morning. Uh, instead of thinking like that, think like this. I'm going to go ahead and move to the next place in my journey, and I'm going to expect to see it happen. Like, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and leave where I'm at, because I want to be somewhere else. I'm in the adjusting phase, and you know what? My barriers are, I don't ever read the scriptures. I don't, we talked on Wednesday night that maybe we just got some lazy habits that we kind of struggle to overcome. I'd, I'd really like to know what it feels like to be growing and healthy and fruitful and stable. You know, but I, I'm, I've got these barriers. You know what? Decide today. I'm going to move out of this adjusting phase and I'm just going to go ahead and step into the growing phase and expect to see something happen. You know, maybe I don't show up consistently to DNA groups on Wednesday night, but if I did, that would promote it. I'm just going to go ahead and claim it, move into it and do whatever it takes because God's going to move when I get there. Maybe if I could get this question answered or this question answered, I'd go ahead and embrace the gospel so that I could have all things in line. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and embrace it. I'm going to profess out loud that Jesus is Lord and, and, and he was crucified and resurrected. I, be, I believe that the best I can. I'm going to go ahead and move in faith that expect all my questions to get answered in the future. Because when I move by faith along in my journey, God's going to show up and I'm going to see these things happen. Just decide today. I got an empty vase. I got a lot of rocks. I'm ready to see miracles. I'm just going to go ahead and go. I'm not waiting to see anything. I'm not waiting to hear anything because I'm going to become part of the crowd, move ahead, and I'm going to expect to hear it and expect to see it as I'm going. Otherwise, most of us are going to spend the rest of our life sitting in the crowd doing absolutely nothing until we decide to just move, and along the way, we're going to see it. Right? Along the way, we're going to see it. So instead of saying, you know what, when X, Y, and Z happens, I'll take the next step. No, let's go ahead and take the next step. Let's go ahead and take it. And along the way, we're going to see and we're going to hear things that we've never heard and seen, and we're going to expect it even more. I'll give Jesus my yes today, identify with him publicly in baptism, meet my neighbor and learn their story, speak good news to the heart of those that I already know. Whatever it is, I'll do it with the expectation. I'm going to see something, I'm going to hear something power of Jesus made known. I hope that we don't hear Avdol's story and say, man, that's incredible for people from Iran or in Detroit. But I really don't expect anything like that in Benton, Arkansas. I do. I do. If we don't have expectations right now that God's done all this to do something else, God's not holding us back. Our expectations are holding us back because we're not doing anything until we see it. Right? I hope, if, if any of us this morning come in and, and as I say, 
They expect to hear something that speaks to the heart and they expect to see the power of Jesus do something. If we come in this morning without expectations, let's go ahead and repent. Let's turn away from that way of thinking. Ask God to forgive us, cleanse us, and create expectations. I didn't enter this journey thinking we weren't going to see the power of God made known. I entered it to see those things. And if we're not all on board with that expectation, we need to do that this morning. We need to do it this morning. What's your next move? What is it? Last question. How are we going to overcome a lack of expectation? Move, expecting to see it. What, what step do you need to take? What's the step? Tangible steps, real steps. That way we can encourage one another to step. Huh? Go home and read with the expectation I'm going to hear something from God. I think about that and, and I'm going to be honest with you guys that whole prayer thing and expectation of healing really challenged me this week uh, to the point that we need to pray for one another and healing right we need to pray for people to be set free from addictions we need to pray for people to be set free from bondage to depression and anxiety and and, and their physical ailments together right now so is there anything we can pray for you guys about with the expectation that God's going to move on our behalf and on your behalf is there anything that's just holding you right now that you want to be let go from? Finances. It's a continual nagging burden. What do you want to see happen financially? Will you come let us pray for you? And let's pray for Stephen and let's pray for Hannah. Y'all come gather around. Let's pray that they would be... God is the good provider. All things we have come through Him. He says we have not because we don't ask Him. So we're going to go and we're going to ask Him right now. And I want us to ask specifically that we would... That, that Hannah and Stephen would see God provide in miraculous ways that will encourage and strengthen their faith. To say that if God did that, he, he's going to take care of the rest, right? Just something to write on a stone and put in a vase for them. We're going to pray that God would do something incredible in y'all's lives financially. Not that you'd be rich, but that the good provider would be, be visible and faithful. So... Um, just lay hands. You get in the middle here. Pray over you. God, we thank you for Hannah and Stephen. They, they have had great faith to come be a part of this journey. God, they have risked so much to leave their hometown, to, to create a new home, even when they're learning to be a married couple. It's an incredibly difficult time in life as they adjust. But even, even more, they had incredible faith to come here and do it here with a new people, a new place, and a new crowd. God, as so many of us have felt the pressure of finances in our home, uh, they feel that now, and, and every unexpected thing is a burden. Every doctor visit uh, creates questions and fear and anxiety. 
God, first of all, let their faith be bigger and let them be set free from that anxiety. But Father, we ask for something miraculous, that you would move, that you would do something to provide in a way that that nobody else could do, that it must be the hand of God moving in their life. We pray for for you to do something so that when they see it, they they give glory to their Father who is in heaven and, and it increases their faith and it increases their expectation, Father. I know you have moved in our home financially many times and we've looked and said, that's incredible that we've made it through that. It's the hand of God. We want them to have the same stories, the same expectation, Father. Move and hand in Stephen's home at this time, Father. We ask that, not for our own sake, not for our own goodness, not for our own comfort, but that your name would be made great in the hearts of everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Something holding you down, holding you back. Ready to move ahead. What is it? Tangible steps. What are they? We need to pray with expectation. Open up the scripture expecting that God's going to speak. Believing he's going to speak. Anything else? That spirit of expectation is contagious. It's contagious. The spirit of just wishfully hoping, oh, I just hope something good happens. I hope the Lord blesses it. Man, that's depressing. It's depressing. Let's have the spirit of expectation. If we don't have it right now, let's pray for one another. Let's, let's confess it out loud so that we can press on, move ahead to the next step. Anybody else wrestle with anxiety in here? Right? It eats up our home. Right? If we're going to operate as a family, we can't come in here and act like, Happy Sunday! Our life's perfect! Oh, your sex? Sucks to be you. Right? You should live in my house. No, I wouldn't. I think number one thing that may benefit Derek is if we all became authentic in who we were so that Derek could come out of the hole and say you know what I'm the only one in this room that wrestles with anxiety and depression so I can't speak that for fear of being the only one right so then you just go further down your hole because you're the only one nobody understands it you're surrounded by people that understand so number one I think two things come to mind as Derek is honest with us and so grateful for that. Number one, 
you have a family of people around you who sympathize and understand. They don't pity you, they sympathize. They're empathetic because they understand. There's a difference. You, you don't want to speak for fear of being pitied. There's no pity, there's understanding and empathy. Number two is the one thing that transforms anxiety in, in our home is, is, is not necessarily knowing or memorizing Scripture, but knowing the character of God. Reading the Scriptures and knowing His character and not, not necessarily saying, well, I need to do more of X, Y, Z, but it's in the midst of anxiety, speaking the character of God back to each other. I have to do that to my, for my wife. She has to do that for me. It's like, we know this is who God is. First of all, we can be anxious together. That's helpful. And we speak the gospel to each other in our anxiety so that we can be set free. Anybody got a word for Derek? An encouragement? An understanding? I think that love is so important. I mean, we were talking the other day, just beginning with this simple understanding that God actually finds joy in you. Right? I mean, we were talking about that. It's like, if we can begin there, where else can we go? But how many times do we say, well, God can't find joy in... Right? Y'all come lay a hand on Derek. Let's pray over... Him. You have a family not just to pray over you, but to, to understand sympathy, empathy, not pity. So we're all in the same boat paddling together. <laughs> Come on up here. Hendrix, will you pray for freedom, joy? And... God, we love you. Uh, Father, right now, I'll just uh, pray over there, God, with your love. Not that he would memorize scripture, not that he would spend time reading, but that he would just simply rest in who you are, who you know who you are, who you be. I pray, God, that as a family we can speak encouragement, speak love, speak the gospel to you. God, whatever it is that's weighting you down, Father, uh, I pray that he would just let it go. Uh, and look to you, God. Just, just rest in who you are, Father. That's, that's all I can say, God, is just understand who you are. Amen. Amen. I think about all the times in the book of Joshua that it repeats itself. Be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous. Anybody know what our courage came from in the book of Joshua? He gave a clause after he said that every time. It wasn't your own strength, it wasn't your own courage, but be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And who we believe God to be is going to either create fear and terror everywhere we go, or it's going to create strength and courage everywhere we go. However we view God, whatever lens we see Him through is going to affect either our courage and strength or our fear and weakness. 
It all begins with the right perspective of who God is and a right perspective of who we are together. It all begins with that. Anybody else? Anybody else? People of expectation. Two options. We can wait around and hope God does X, Y, and Z so that we can move ahead or we can just go ahead and pack our bags, move ahead with a lot of expectation. We're going to see something and we're going to hear something. I choose that. I choose that. Let's don't hold back. Let's go ahead and take our steps. Let's go ahead and move ahead. We're going to see it and we're going to hear it. Father, we thank you for these people. Thank you for your love, your presence. Let us rejoice. Father, fill up our weaknesses, what we're lacking, make up for it. Speak to our heart, let us know the joy you find in your children. Not because we're good, but because we're yours. We can't please you with works, we can't please you with strength, we please you with faith. So Father, when we're we're operating in fear and anxiety, it's because we... We're we're operating in our unbelief that we all have. So strengthen our faith that we might be pleasing to you and enjoy you more and more every day. In Jesus' name, amen.